0: Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another edition of the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Bud Elliott, along with my co-host, Morgan Moriarty. Morgan, what's going on?
1: Doing great. How about you? You got me?
0: I do, uh, but I didn't have... Um, I'm going to... What did you say, by the way?
1: I said I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Okay, cool. I'll just lead back in with I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I mean, a little tired because these World Series games have been have been so good, and I feel like I just you know I have to stay up to watch them because they're they're just so solid. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's a pretty good time of year.
1: Yeah. So something that you brought up on Twitter last night that I thought was really interesting was if like the college football postseason in the last few years would be exactly like this year's World Series, which I think is brilliant, and a lot more people
0: would watch. Yeah, I, I think that's not a bad idea. Actually, um, you know, my thing with like this series has been—I know people are, are probably tuning in for college ball recruiting, but we, we can give them a little baseball first. Uh, probably the only site or the only podcast on the ESPN network that would actually do that. Uh, it's like that people were complaining, "I don't want to see a Georgia-Alabama rematch in the playoff or a Georgia-Notre Dame rematch." I, I get that, but man, these are fun. Right, and, and and like the each game yeah. kind of builds upon the previous one. You know how this guy was pitched, how they played this guy. You know when they pulled this pitcher, who else they brought in. That's an element we kind of don't have with with, with college football. I mean, it's just such a one off. You know, I, I take back to the Ohio State Penn State game uh, from Saturday, and and you know Penn State or Ohio State I think is a lot better team, but right, you know Penn State got a lot of breaks and they came very close to actually winning that thing. Uh, but, but I think the seven game series helps to reveal who's the better team over a greater sample set to it, as opposed to in college football, it's, it's a one-off. I mean, we, we can and, and do see teams that, that win the whole thing that maybe weren't the best team that year.
1: Yeah, and there's, to kind of tie it all together, like there's been arguments, obviously, ever since the four-team playoff was announced that it's not enough teams, that you should have, you know, six or eight teams to have the opportunity for a rematch. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you never know when it could happen in the playoffs. Hasn't happened it, yet, but
0: a June or July World Series would be interesting. Also, an August World Series, or like even like an early September World yes. Series, where you know, I mean, your main competitor here is the NFL. I know people watch college football, but the NFL is a lot bigger, um, right? You know, if you do it, and the NFL doesn't really start until what, like mid September, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a week or two after college. That 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 could be interesting. Maybe you can make the season shorter, which I I doubt. Anybody would go for that, but that would be cool. All right. Uh, let's get into this. We, As always, we start uh, with the commits of the week. Uh, we can decide which ones we want to talk about. Uh, four-star safety, Miles Mason committed to Mississippi State. Four-star defensive lineman, Bobby Brown, to Texas A&M. Four-star running back, James Cook, the little brother of Dalvin Cook, committed to Georgia, and four-star uh, center, Emilia Ikior, uh, decommitted from Michigan and flipped to Alabama. So, Morgan, any of those guys you really want to talk about? Uh,
1: the James Cook one, um, when he committed, I think that was last Thursday night. Um, so I was working, and um, when we like put the post out and everything, I completely forgot that Georgia already had five stars Amir White in that class. I mean, it's just ridiculous the amount of – running back talent that not only Kirby Smart's been able to get but just that's gone throughout Georgia. I mean you look at Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley it's it's I think it's something that might be kind of not talked about as much just because Georgia hasn't been necessarily in the national spotlight like they are now in a while um, or at least you know as high as number one in the country but man, they have been loaded for a long time.
0: They really have. And and Morgan, think about this. I mean, their, their ability to get kids committed when, when they already have other kids committed is is kind of mm-hmm. scary. I mean, think about it. You already have Jake Fromm on the roster and Jacob Eason on the roster, and then you get Justin Fields to commit. And then at running back, specifically here, you mentioned Zamir White. Last year and the year before, I mean, they got DeAndre Swift and, and Evander Holyfield's kid. Yeah. I, I don't know how, how there's going to be enough carries to go around. And of course, James is, is one of those kids who's not going to actually sign early. He's going to wait until signing day to see how everything shakes out, I guess, which is not necessarily a bad idea. As a player, I, I definitely like him. I think he's got a real fluidity to his game. Um, you know, He's a little bit different runner than his brother was. Uh, he catches the ball very well. I know that's something Jordan has, has really sold him on, and being kind of that Marshall Falk role, um, as opposed to Samir, who they're probably going to pound the rock with more. Uh, but I'm going to be interested to see how he reacts to competition. You know, he's a guy who... Mm-hmm. I think you can ask him, like, hey, were, were you really trying there? He, he takes off a lot of reps and, you know, sometimes doesn't always look like he has the best attitude out there on the field. And, you know, to me, I'm wondering, is that, is that something inherent or is that boredom? You know, does, does he have, and we've seen him turning on at, at key moments too. So I wonder right. if Georgia can get him to turn it on a, a little more often uh, and how he does it, when he has to share carries with all these other guys.
1: And he's a guy that was previously committed to Florida state. Any chance, you know, depending on how Georgia's class shakes out, that he maybe flips there or elsewhere.
0: I think they would still. Him. I think they would still take him, but I, I, from what I understand, uh, he may not want to be in his brother's shadow. Which, look, I I can't disagree with that. You know, you could go to Florida yeah. State have an amazing career and still have people tell you know say, hey, well, it, it wasn't doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, like well, that's yeah,
1: I agree uh, with that completely.
0: You know, so that that may not be the best. Uh, like, I know Florida State would love to have him. Uh, but I don't know that that would actually be the best thing for for James. Um, the, the kid I want to talk about here is the kid Alabama picked up. Uh, Milikyork is uh, is really uh, a, a nice physical center prospect that one of the kids Michigan certainly did not want to lose. But uh, but it's it's Bama and they kind of take who they want. And we to, we talked on this show a couple weeks ago how Alabama uh, they've started a little bit slow this year at times, and maybe some of that right. has to do with Maybe some of their new coaches making new connections, right? And, and they, they did have to replace a lot of that staff. But at some point, Morgan, I think Bama's going to make a run, and then this might be the start of it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the early signing period is another really interesting factor to that because, you know, in previous years you would look at Alabama in November and say, okay, well, they might not be strong right now but they still have a few months until signing day. I mean, the early signing period starts in a month and 19 days. That's not that much time. So it's gonna be really interesting to see, especially when December 20th and and the 23rd rolls around, who they get and then who's left that they have to compete with other schools to get for their class before signing day.
0: Absolutely, Uh, that's gonna be something we're gonna be watching hardcore. Interesting that Texas A&M got a commit from defensive lineman Bobby Brown, given all the uncertainty there. You don't, you're not seeing a whole lot of these schools with a bunch of coaching uncertainty uh, get commits, but but they did a good job with him. I know several schools in the southeast wanted him as well. So nice job, A&M. Morgan, we, we mentioned coaching uncertainty, uh, and I got to give our show credit here because we both kind of were on this earlier than I think a lot of the national media was. The idea that your boss doesn't put out a statement throwing you under the bus unless they are preparing to try and fire you for cause and not pay you an enormous buyout. And that would be the bosses at Florida and the coach would be Jim McElwain. So I, you're our Gator correspondent here on this show. I'm going to do more than Knowles. <laughs> Take it away. What, what, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. And just thinking back, the last time we did our podcast was a week ago. I <laughs> I did not expect Jim McElwain to be gone. Like, like if you would have asked me, do you think Jim McElwain to be gone in a week? I would have said no way. I mean, this will play out probably throughout December, but I think it was, you know, a smart move. Florida's has not, especially from the administration side, they have not gelled well with Jim McElwain. Um It's, it's never really been like a great fit. Um, you pair that with how this season's going, how the offense is, seemingly gotten worse since he was hired especially just looking at this year alone um i I think it was the right move it was it helped florida be able to get down that buyout which was set at i think it was 12.7 i know it was in the 12 um million range but um i mean florida saw the opportunity to fire him with cause and and move on and they they acted at the right moment and now you know, they're they're one of the first major head coaching jobs to open up. So that gives Scott Strickland a chance, even though, as we've talked before, um, you know, I think we have a good idea of who we'll be contacting, probably Dan Mullen or Scott Frost. Um, But it it gives Florida a head start to talk to the guys they want to talk to. And and you still have schools like Texas A&M, like Tennessee, um, who haven't done that yet. So um, I I think it was really good on Strickland and Florida to just cut – Cut the ties and, and move
0: on. If, if you're going to be in a position to make coaching hire, you want to. I think you want two things. You want financial freedom, which they got mm-hmm. because apparently they only had. I think McMurphy or, or ESPN one of the two reported that they, they were only had to pay him four million of the almost thirteen. I mean that's a, right. that's a pretty nice little cost savings there. You want to have the financial freedom to go after whoever you want, and not be not be tied down by okay well, we can't afford this guy or his staff. And you want to be the best job available on the market. And i got to tell you, I, I think Florida accomplished both these things here. And this was a very shrewd move um, by, by the Gators, but one that, that I think if you're a good manager of the program, you have to make. You you realize the guy is not really taking Florida in the right direction. You fire him uh, at, at a huge you know discounted price. You don't have to pay the big buyout, and you can go hire somebody else. It, it's not the ability to hire. It's, it's usually the ability to fire. You know at are you stuck with someone for too long because you can't afford to get out of it this is a big big question a lot of programs face. Uh, what job coming open reasonably would, would be better than Florida? None that I can think of. I mean, Tennessee won't be better. AM and won't be better. Arkansas certainly not. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten. I mean, Florida's going to be the top job on the board this year, right?
1: Yeah. I would say probably that if it does come open – closest to it would probably be nebraska just like we talked about last week how you know despite its struggles it it still has a ton of national and historical relevance um in, in terms of getting a big name higher but yeah absolutely florida would and i think that that's talked about a lot recently given how down florida's been how you know florida still isn't florida but i mean for the right head coach it certainly is
0: yeah, I think that's that's dead on. Uh, so Jim McIlwain getting the buyout. I also think if you're McIlwain, right, it makes some sense. It, let's say Florida has some additional dirt on you, which they might. Who knows? If you want to like be in coaching again quickly, having a long, drawn-out buyout stuff, like, like buyout process with Florida that emphasizes how much they wanted to fire you does not help your higher ability. Taking the money and going away quietly and saying, hey, it just wasn't a great fit is a much smarter move if you want to stay in coaching, now, if all you're concerned about is getting the money, then that's not the smart move. But uh, I think this could actually help his ability to get hired as opposed to if he had stayed and tried to fight this and made a big, big deal out of it in public. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. And especially when, you know, we're not too far off from the full start of coaching carousel season next month.
0: Speaking of which it could be spinning soon, but uh, we had one coach who was squarely on the hot seat. We thought uh, win uh, and one coach who, we thought was doing well. They lost, and then one coach who, for some reason, is still coaching. Uh, <laughs> but I just Brett You don't know. I mean, they're down thirty-one to seven to Ole Miss, and they come back to win. I think it was, or, or some kind of huge number they were down. Um, the, I don't know if you got to watch that one. I, I saw bits and pieces, but Ole Miss just two field goals once they got up by twenty-four or seventeen or what it was. Not the uh, not the best there by, by Ole Miss, which I'm sure will be open this year. Um, but Brett Bielema, getting a win. That, that Morgan, SEC wins are not easy for Bielema.
1: No, they're not. And <laughs> you just pair that with the fact that his buyout is not as big as we previously thought, but it's still pretty hefty when you consider that and having to pay off the rest of his staff and then go after whoever you want, which I don't have a name off the top of my head who Arkansas would hire as like a go-to Die, but um, I mean, the, and looking at the rest of Arkansas' schedule, I don't know if they will have another SEC win. They go to LSU, they get Mississippi State at home, and their finale is against Missouri at home. So maybe that'll be their last SEC win. Is Missouri? I,
0: I, this is still an important win, though, because I feel like they were definitely at risk of maybe uh, you know losing a. a like all their conference games, if they had not mm-hmm. not a won, It's like there's not there, there's there's not a guarantee he gets another another SEC win, and I think if you go winless in the SEC, uh, and lose to, old, to an old Miss team that's just in total disarray, there's a good chance you're fired. I, and I'm not saying Bill is safe anyway, but that's that's an important win for him, an important loss for Kevin Sumlin. Uh, by the way, this weekend I don't know how much you caught it, this, but ugh, A and M look like te- they just look terrible. I mean, getting blown out by by Mississippi State at home. Uh, not good. I mean, that, that's kind of one of those things. Like, okay, you know, the, you thought they 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 might win it, they might lose it. The, the spread was actually a pick'em and mm-hmm. a non-competitive game. I mean, thirty-five to fourteen at home. Uh, it's been, I think, over two calendar years since A and M under Kevin Sumlin beat an SC West opponent in Kyle Field.
1: Oh, that's not good.
0: God. No, it's like uh, if you're a season ticket holder, you want to just lighten things on fire. That's not. Yeah.
1: And I think I think with these two jobs, Texas AM and Arkansas, I think one of them might stick around leaning a little bit more towards Bielema, but it definitely could be someone depending on what other jobs open up. Um, you know, because you could make a case to maybe give someone or Bielema another year. Um, you know, just say that that's your reasoning, um, but really you're just waiting until the next coaching car- carousel season to see what opens up.
0: I, I completely agree with you, by the way, that if, if one of these two people get to get to keep their job, that it'll be Bielema. I do not think A&M, A&M wants to keep someone around. I, I have a feeling like they actually want to, um, they're looking for any, any kind of reason to get rid of him. And then there's a guy, a, a team that Morgan, we're not really sure uh, what they're doing. Uh, and that would be Tennessee who lost to Kentucky. Uh, mainly because they kicked six field goals, did not make all six, but they kicked six field goals. Not really cashing in on drives there. They also threw a hail mary that ended up short of the end zone. So that's kind of a like that kind of encapsulates Tennessee season right there. Um, desperation not ending up in victory. So
1: yeah, ugh. the interesting stuff coming out of Tennessee um, today. Um, there was a report that came. Tuesday night, um, an outlet called the read optional, um, that reported that one of Tennessee's right tackles, Brett Kendrick, um, played and, and it was Tennessee's decision to play him, um, when he had a concussion. Um, so, I mean, similar to the Jim McElwain thing, if true, which, um, Tennessee's athletic director has come out and released a statement about, player safety and how that's priority. And um, Butch Jones was asked about this today and basically said he doesn't have any, you know, call or say over who gets to come in if they're potentially injured or not. That's all the trainer's responsibility. Um, But, you know, if true, kind of similar to the Jim McElwain situation in which there was a clause in his contract that spoke about, you know, protecting the well-being of your student athletes, when you're a head coach, that's, that's part of your duties as a head coach. So, I mean, depending on if this story has legs, um, you know, that could give Tennessee an opportunity to get down Butch Jones's buyout as Florida did with Jim McElwain. And,
0: and that would be great. And look, this is one of those things that is clearly a serious thing. If it's true, I, I don't know if it is, I'm not really all that familiar with the read optional. Uh, I, I think they, they, I think they, that might have been the site that had the initial Florida credit card fraud thing. Um, it was, not, yes. Okay. So they may have some good connections. They, they may, I, I I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate as to their motives there. Uh, they, they may be spot on. Um, but I do kind of think that this is the kind of thing that matters a lot more if your team is losing. Like if the Gators were undefeated mm-hmm. and McElwain said that, I'm not sure the bosses throw them under the bus, right? Um, right. So certainly if... But this is just common sense, right? If you know you're like on thin ice at work, don't go do really stupid stuff at work, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you could, there's some leeway where there's some stuff you can get away with, if you are like a top earning employee with a clean, you know, disciplinary record. If you are like a right. person on probation, then uh, you know, show up on time. Don't play players with concussions. Those are yeah, all and good ideas. I mean
1: butch jones has like said some really ridiculous things like five-star hearts and um champions of life but i i mean i would be shocked if he knowingly did something like that something that could easily you know get caught at a place of national media attention like tennessee has um so you know i i don't i just hope he wouldn't do that that's it's just like the last thing you'd want to do. But um, definitely interesting stuff out of there today, and we'll see if that turns into anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Mike Riley's uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers actually ended up beating Purdue. Uh, they are upsetting it. Nice. Purdue was actually a favorite, so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, they, they come back and, and they beat Purdue, and that's a good win for them, I guess. But it also is kind of sad that we're saying Purdue is a good win for Nebraska. That probably speaks <laughs> to Nebraska's program right now.
1: Depending on what happens with the Florida job, let's say they hire Dan Mullen, and the Nebraska job opens up. I mean, Scott Frost is taking that job, right?
0: Taking Nebraska or taking Florida?
1: Taking Nebraska. Let's I'm not so let's sure. say this is this is only if Florida's off the table and and Scott Strickland only wants Dan Mullen.
0: Okay, so the, if so Florida's I'm saying off if I'm the table, speaking
1: hypothetical.
0: If Florida's off the table does Scott Frost take Nebraska? Yes. I mean, certainly that would depend on who else is offered the job. Uh, Are we assuming Tennessee wants somebody else, or are we including Tennessee in this?
1: Um, Let's say, yeah, let's say Tennessee is open too.
0: I still think he would take Nebraska, uh, but Frost is somebody who I think we know has told people, like, how much he cares about the ability to get players at a place. That's, like, why he waited and then took UCF. And the situation reminds me a little bit of Irvin Meyer back in the day when a lot of people thought he would take Notre Dame because he Mm -hmm. had coached there and he grew up, I believe he grew up a fan of Notre Dame. Um, But he took Florida because you can get players in Florida in ways that you can't necessarily get uh, in South Bend, Indiana. Frost is apparently pretty conscious of that. So I think there's something there to where he may, you know, maybe he considers Tennessee because the ability to get players, but. Right. Certainly, I, the the pull to Nebraska has to be good, and you know you're going to get a, like a, a lot of leeway if you're Scott Frost at Nebraska because if they fire you after like three mm-hmm. or four years, they're kind of admitting that you just you can't do it at Nebraska, right? I mean, you've tried three or four different coaches, right. you, you just you brought home your native son, it didn't work, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's it for 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 buyout talk this week, unless I mean I know USC spanked Arizona State that was not even competitive at all. Um, UCLA's Jim Moore is getting in arguments with ESPN people. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's interesting. But I'm not sure either of those folks are necessarily like more hot-seedy than they were uh, after last week. I mean, I, I think USC was expected to beat Arizona State. So maybe we'll talk about them after this week. A uh, little more recruiting stuff here, though, unless you've got somebody else to talk about with, uh, with buyouts. No, I'm good. All right. Uh, so, Morgan, let's turn to recruiting here. Oklahoma is – Kind of kicking some serious ass. They 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 picked up uh, um, a nice kid over the weekend, and then they also four of the eyeball emojis from head coach Lincoln Riley. So <laughs> potential chance there that, that Oklahoma could uh, could have gotten some silent commits. I mean, the, the kids haven't announced yet, but I mean, maybe uh, uh, I always butcher this kid's name. I, I met him up in, in Chicago. He's a linebacker. He's committed to Texas, but he's, he's at IMG. Uh, Ayadale Ayoti. Is, uh, is a really good uh, linebacker. He's at IMG. Uh, Brennan Radley-Hiles, who's also at IMG, is a California kid, but he's at IMG. He's actually a Nebraska commit, or was, and, and now a lot of people expect him to flip to either there or Florida or Clemson. Uh, and then uh, also uh, Ruben UJ, who's another kid at, actually, IMG and, and really likes Oklahoma. IMG is doing some serious, or some, some serious sending the kids to Oklahoma thanks to a running back, named T.J. Pludger who's actually committed to the Sooners he, he goes to IMG as well so all those kids have gone up there on visits I know they really like the school Morgan that that's a hell of a, a hell of a class coming in if they, if they get those kids and they're also in on Merlin Robertson who's one of the better linebackers in the country and CJ Smith I mean that's a class right now uh they're eighth nationally and number two in the big 12 they're, they're making some noise.
1: So I can't remember if Oklahoma was in our buy or sell recruiting or segment. Was that last week we did that?
0: I think it, I think it was. And I, I think we said hold. But I'm not sure. Okay.
1: I would I would probably buy them getting a better class than eighth in the country where they are now.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially um, if because they are strong. Those, I mean,
1: even if they get just two of those guys – that's already two blue chips and they already have seven of those.
0: I mean that's a budge that's a whole that's a whole lot yeah. I mean that they could look what they're doing to the big 12. I mean this is crazy the the, the amount here of, of blue chip kids them in Oklahoma have compared to the rest of the league. Have you seen the, the, this stat? They have 22 combined blue chip players right now Oklahoma and Texas the other 10 teams in that league have 10 combined I mean they're doubling oh, up the rest of the league about like it, it's we thought this might happen we said hey if they do it right this will happen it's happening mm-hmm. I mean and if you're the big 12 you got to be pretty excited because having a bunch of balanced teams does not produce a playoff contender right having one or two really good teams and and a bunch of other wins on the schedule does and this is kind of the yeah. sort of the right model to follow. Uh, if, if you want to consistently have a playoff team, although the championship game was maybe not the best idea, but um, that that's a, that's a big time talent disparity.
1: Mm-hmm. And as I've mentioned before, um, you know, typically your first recruiting classes when you first come in are transitional. And then the next one after that is typically like par for the course for at least some head coaches for what they'll do. The rest of the classes, but I mean, you look at Tom Herman, what he's already doing, and and Lincoln Riley, it's impressive.
0: Absolutely. Uh, here's one thing we didn't get, we forgot to talk about. Who do you think you would really want to see at Florida
1: as a head coach? Yeah. Um, I mean, the logical choice, obviously, which everyone knows, is Dan Mullen. Um, what he's done at Mississippi state is incredibly impressive. We talked about how hard it is to recruit in Starkville and and get guys to come there. Um, I mean, that's obvious obviously because Scott Strickland worked with him before. Um, but I mean, as Scott Strickland said last Sunday, um, in that press conference, he wants Florida offense to be really fun again. That was something about Florida football, especially under Steve Spurrier that made it so great. And I feel like if, you know, if that's one of the big things you're looking for, which I mean, I'm not taking what he said is that's the number one thing on his list, but if that's what, what you want, I mean, go with Scott Frost. UCF just put up 73 points, a school record, 73 points against Austin P last weekend. I mean, that's, that's spur your ball. That's running teams out of the gym and, and not even caring about running up the score.
0: That's that's exactly right. I I think, like, as an FSU guy, the number one guy I would not want to see at Florida is Willie Taggart because I know he's an awesome recruiter. He's rebuilt two programs. I mean, he's doing a good job this year at Oregon when, when, despite the fact they've already lost their quarterback and lost their backup for a little bit too. Uh, and his staff is excellent too, Morgan. I mean, you got got mm-hmm. uh, – Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to edit the sound out. Uh, Jim Jim Levitt. Yeah, right. You, you have Jim defensive Leavitt. coordinator Jim Levitt, and you also have have an offensive line coach slash co-OC, Mario Cristobal, right, who's a tremendous recruiter. Mm-hmm. He, got, he got a raw deal from FIU. Some people think Jim Levitt got a raw deal at USF, depending on if you think whatever happened with that player actually happened. Uh, I know some people in South Florida do and some some don't, but that's a hell of a staff right there. and. I, like the one guy I don't want to see walking up and down, like if I'm a null on the sideline in Gainesville, is, is an advisor, is Willie Taggart. Cause I know that the guys he's coaching are going to be just number one or number two classes in the nation consistently, I think. He's, but that's me as a recruiting guy. I, I really can't hate on on the Den right. or the Scott Frost pick. And the other thing you got to consider is if you're an AD, one of your concerns I think that fans don't necessarily have is stability. You know, Taggart and Frost are bigger gambles than, right. than Mullen. Mullen's a, a proven head coach. And if I'm an AD, I want to keep my job. I don't necessarily want to want to gamble my my, my AD job at Florida on a coach who doesn't have Power 5 experience. So I, I'm thinking, all right, well, Dan Mullen, I know he can win me 10 games a year because he already wins seven right. or eight a year at Mississippi State.
1: That's true. I mean, I think Strickland's in a really, really interesting spot here um, because – And you talk about, you know, taking a gamble. I actually wrote about Willie Taggart in Florida this week, just basically laying out why, you know, he's a great candidate for Florida. And if he's not one of the obvious choices, um, which, you know, him just arriving in Eugene obviously makes it unique. And I think lessens you know, his uh, um, potential to actually end up at Florida. Um, But I mean, Florida hasn't really, especially with these last two hires, Muschamp and McElwain, that wasn't really like an aggressive home run hire, I think in a lot of Florida fans' eyes. So it's it's a really big decision, and Strickland want, needs to consider that. Does he want to get some of these you know, newer-ish – Taggart's not really new, um, but Frost certainly in his first head coaching stint. Do you want to take a gamble – and and be aggressive and get the big name higher, or do you want consistent stability? A guy who you know can you know at least you know be consistent and give you nine or ten wins, you know maybe some some orange bowl berths here or there. I think it's you know it's interesting for for him to consider what which which one he wants to get.
0: I think you're exactly right on that. Um, it, the the guys that they went after are are not necessarily slam dunk types. I think that's a great observation. Um,
1: I think I would, I would call them kind of safe.
0: Yeah. Like guys that you thought, okay, it's real hard for them to fail.
1: Right. Will Muschamp was the coach in waiting at Texas. You know, everyone loved him there. Obviously an incredible defensive coordinator. Um, Whereas Jim McElwain, it wasn't really a home run hire, but it made sense on paper, you know, had a ton of success as the offense coordinator at Alabama. And then what he did at Colorado state, but, you know, still that wasn't it. Wasn't like an overwhelmingly thrilling hire that Florida fans were like jacked about.
0: He also like didn't mix in real well there. Like you, you probably shouldn't complain about the the quality of the facilities. Like the day after they give you a contract <laughs> extension, maybe like wait a week or something. Uh, just just I, I,
1: I give him credit. Florida at least got an IPF because of Jim McElwain.
0: They so. did. Yeah, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, <laughs> you know I. The other thing too is that I think Morgan, there's an there's an issue here, and it's that the calculus in the East has changed, right? It used to be it wasn't that hard to win the East for like probably a six or seven year period there, but now if you're if you're Scott Strickland, you've got to start thinking, oh my God, what if Georgia has finally put it together? I got to get a guy who can hang with 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 that, not Mark Rick, Georgia, but Kirby Smart Georgia, which is maybe like a win better a year they're going to play like this. right
1: well I would even I mean I would argue he's thinking that way now Georgia's the number one team in the country you look at their right. recruiting class and they just beat Florida 42 to 7 I mean that's a huge factor so that all plays into it too and maybe that does you know prompt him to maybe go after a Scott Frost or a Willie Taggart or just like more of an aggressive hire to keep up with that
0: or to really care about fake death threats, like even more, right? Yeah, you know, uh, potentially. That's that's something to think about. Um, okay, well, that's uh, a good transition now because Georgia is doing really, really well in the recruiting world. They are the number one class in the SEC now. Um, two five-star commits in Justin Fields, Zamir White. They also have James Cook. Like we mentioned, they got Adam Anderson uh, two weeks ago. We talked about him, uh, Aziz Ojalari. And a number of really top targets left for them, as well. Uh, Morgan, they are going to have a shot to to finish with another top five class. Uh, You know, Jamari Sellier is a great guard they're looking at. Trey Hill is a great, great offensive lineman they're looking at. Tyreek Johnson, uh, who I I think you've seen at camps as well, really good safety out of of Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Trinity Christian, Luke Ford, who's a tremendous looking tight end prospect. I I know it's looking at them. Um, Man, they got a lot of guys who are are legit. Four or five star types who who may end up picking picking the Bulldogs. So that that's uh, that's something you got to consider if you're Florida. Uh, but we have something else to consider. We have to got to consider lines this week. Uh, and there's a lot of games to talk about. Yeah. Let's run these down real quick uh, and we'll figure out what we want to talk about. Penn State is coming off a difficult win or difficult loss rather at at Ohio State, and they got to travel. To Michigan State, they're laying eight points. South Carolina is at Georgia. They're laying 24-and-a-half, or Georgia is. Uh, wow, that is a lot. Uh, Wake is traveling Notre Dame. Notre Dame, maybe a little sandwich game here between NC State and Miami. Uh, Notre Dame laying 13-and-a-half. Clemson laying seven on the road at NC State. Uh, Ohio State is is dropping 17-and-a-half at Iowa. Iowa State at West Virginia. West Virginia is favored, so that's uh, – Maybe not, not enough respect from Vegas for the Cyclones. Stanford at Wazoo, two and a half for Wazoo. Uh, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's actually favored over Oklahoma. Uh, TCU is hosting Texas and laying seven. LSU is catching 21 and a half at Alabama. That is, uh, I am not going to tell my wife that. Uh, she will not be happy. <laughs> Virginia Tech is laying two and a half at Miami, and Arizona is catching seven going to Los Angeles and playing USC. So what, 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 what's your first pick here as far as something that, something of interest?
1: I will take Virginia Tech covering that just because I'm worried. Um, and I was having this conversation a couple weeks ago with uh, my brother and my dad. My dad's from Miami, so he's you a know, huge Hurricanes fan, went to all the 1980 Orange Bowl games and whatnot. I feel like Miami – hasn't been as good as their number 10 ranking may suggest. Yes, they're undefeated. They beat Florida state, they beat Syracuse, but I don't know, you know, how good those wins actually look. So, I mean, I just, I'm I'm worried that Virginia tech's just going to come in and blow Miami out and kind of um, break the facade of, of what a great year. Mark Rick's having this year, but I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen and it's a good game. Down in Coral Gables, but I mean, it's not like Virginia Tech's going into the Orange Bowl. They're going into Sun Life Stadium.
0: Yeah, I mean, Miami has won games by four, by one, by eight, and by five in their last four weeks. Mm -hmm. They they can really a good chunk of those have
1: been right, and a good chunk of those have been like needing a last minute or late game touchdown to give them the win. I don't oh, know if they can sure. do that against Virginia Tech.
0: If you look at the the win probability percentages based on how they played, like according to Bill Connolly, if you pull up the football study hall pages, North Carolina, 61%, so not very high there. I mean, they, they they were the better team. Syracuse, 99%, so actually a little bit unlucky to only beat Syracuse by eight. Georgia Tech, 77%. I mean, that's, that's pretty solid. Florida State, 23%. I mean, very lucky to beat a 2-5 a and five FSU team, apparently, uh, according to Bill's stats. <laughs> That's uh yeah, I, I'm not so sure they're gonna beat Bot Virginia Tech, uh I they're they're looking pretty good. Miami is looking kind of shaky. I I am not looking to take take the hurricanes here at home. Um certainly that's uh that's something to be watching there. Um I'm gonna go well, first of all, I'm gonna give you props last week because you like Notre Dame over NC State. I, I thought NC State could hang with them, and I was wrong. Notre Dame just blitzed them, and that was uh that was an impressive physical performance by the Irish. Now they have to go play at Wake Forest, or they have to host Wake Forest. I-, I don't know that I actually want to take either side here. I just wanted to give you some props for, for your call last week on that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What is Penn State's I mindset, say, by the way, going yeah. into Michigan State? Because I I, mean, I know Michigan State lost a tough one in Northwestern, but...
1: Right. It- well, it has to be blowing whoever they play out, because at this point that's really one of the only ways, depending on if Ohio State wins out and beats Michigan and plays in the Big Ten championship game, Penn State just has to blow teams out. I don't know if they can do that against Michigan State. Um, but, I mean, you, you talk about helping your resume and, and making your case. If you're Penn State, that's one of the things that you have to do.
0: I, I think I agree with you on that. Um, but I what will if, what take if they're, Michigan what State down.
1: covering that, though.
0: Yeah, like, like what if they're like down and they're not focused? And, and and I guess you're right. Like the only way for them to get back in is that. But like their their number one way to get there was to beat Ohio State. And they, they failed to right. do that. I wonder I wonder if Franklin can get them back up for that. Is Michigan State yeah. ranked, by the way, still? Or do they drop out?
1: I don't think so. Let me double check.
0: Because Franklin they're has 24. never won a road game against a ranked team.
1: They're 24th.
0: Okay, it's a ranked team. I mean so if, if Penn State wins the, uh, the, the the streak will be broken there.
1: That game is a nooner. Don't know if that makes a difference, but
0: I I guess it won't be quite as crazy of a crowd and it might not be quite as cold either. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Stanford at Washington State. Do we know if Bryce Love is playing?
1: Um, I saw either today or yesterday that was pretty up in the air so I will take. Mm, I'll take Wazoo two and a half because I mean, I watched that game last weekend. Stanford had no business being as close to Oregon state as they were. They ended up winning on like a late game winning touchdown drive by Keller Chris, who didn't look good at all um, last Thursday night. So I like Wazoo at home two and a half.
0: I, uh, I can't take that game either way. Like without knowing if Bryce Love is going to play, I mean he's their only source of explosive plays on that team. If if they are, if they do not have Bryce Love, they are incredibly plotting, and I don't think that's a good way to beat Wazoo. But if they do have Bryce Love, I could pretty easily see Wazoo's defense giving up a lot. Uh, So I don't. Yeah, as of today,
1: um, as of today, he's apparently probably a game time decision, which does not sound promising.
0: No, it doesn't. Hmm, man, I don't like as many games this week. I I might lay the points with West Virginia. LSU. Okay. I'm sorry. I just just thinking. Last week I took Oklahoma State at at WVU and and, and it covered. But I this is this is back to back tough games for for Iowa State and for West Virginia. But at least they're they're home for back to backs. And I I think I don't know if Iowa State can score enough points. And I I do kind of want to play against. Iowa state now, because I think they're almost gone from underrated to overrated. And one thing I like to do is right. I like to, I like to look at bill stats and bet against teams that won like big time games the previous week when they probably shouldn't have. And if you look at the, the win expectancy for Iowa state last week, based on how they played 35%.
1: No. And
0: they're their at Oklahoma at 37%. So certainly they're doing something right to pull these games off, but they're also getting a pretty good amount of luck in these, um, and they've all you know they've already lost you know against Iowa and against Texas um, you know I, I think uh, I think'll I'll, I'll take the the, uh, the mountaineers and lay the points at home
1: yeah I'll agree with you there um, any shot Alabama lays 21 and a half
0: well okay so let's think about what they laid in previous games right they laid uh 34 against Tennessee they laid was it 28-and-a-half, I think, against Ole Miss? I'm trying to recall what that was just to see how out of whack this feels. Um, I don't know. If we got to trying to think what, what what the spread was. It there. was,
1: um, yeah, it was 66-3. to three.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I guess I'm just trying to think about, like, what the actual spread was in or in the game. Um, you know, looking back at it here. Okay, so they were favored to- by – 36 and a half yeah. over Tennessee, 37 over Arkansas, 25 on the road at AM, um, and 30 over Ole Miss. And they, they covered two of those and they, and they didn't cover the other two. I, eh, 21 and a half. I, look, I, I cannot lay 21 and a half against LSU. I don't think LSU is all that good. However, 21 and a half is just an absolute ton. Um, and uh, there's some. Yeah, LSU had a pretty good game plan for Alabama last year. They played them tough, and and, and I'm not sure last year's team was much better than this year's team. I'm probably going to have to take, take the Tigers here.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, the biggest win Alabama's had in this game, just numbers-wise, was the uh, 2012 BCS National Championship. Other big games, I mean, 2013, Alabama won 38 17. 2015, 30 16. I mean, LSU is going to keep it close.
0: Right. Even exactly. if they
1: do end up losing by two scores. But it's not going to be 22 points.
0: No. Oh, for sure. All right. Uh, is that it? Oh, well, Bedlam. Do you like anybody in Bedlam?
1: <sighs> uh,. I'm not going to
0: touch that one. I don't know what to make of, of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like, I, I they they can both score. Uh, Texas really gave them some problems up front, but at the same time, you know, Texas' defensive line I think it's a lot better than Oklahoma's is. Oklahoma can also score, you know, a, a lot more than Texas could. I I'm considering taking Oklahoma because um, I, I do think they, they outclassed most of the people they played. They look the, the win at Ohio State looks even better. Um, I, I don't know though. TCU look or Oklahoma State looked really sharp last week. They they, they crushed Baylor. They, they managed to grind out a hard fought win at Texas in a way that normally don't. I I haven't decided who I'm going to take there yet. That's that's going to be interesting. Big uh, big potential yep. weekend for visitors. By the way, we uh, can be on the lookout for. I think I'll have something up on the site uh, this week for the Alabama game. Um, that'll be interesting. They, they always have a lot of good kids in there for that one. Um, and maybe some other spots as well. So stay tuned to recruiting uh, thing. Morgan, what a uh, what do you want to promote this week?
1: Uh, big things on the radar. This has kind of been a weird week for me because I've been like working on a bunch of different stuff. Um, am working on a piece about um search firms with respect to using them to hire college football head coaches. Um, not sure if that's coming this week or next week, but um, that's one of the bigger things I'm working on this week.
0: Very nice. Okay. Well, cool. I'll uh, talk to you next week then. And I think we should form our own search firm, by the yes. way. Like, I, we've identified several good candidates for Florida. Um, some kid candidates for Nebraska, like Scott Frost. You can pay me a hundred hundred G's to uh, to tell you that go hire Scott Frost. I think it'd be good.
1: What would we What would we call it?
0: Uh, ooh, Moriarty and Elliot, or Elliot Moriarty. I I, don't, um, I like that. I mean, that that does sound pretty <laughs> prestigious, right? It sounds like like a, like a spinoff of a law firm. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. They, they, must, they must have clients. Um, <laughs> I like that. That could be good. We should actually just rename this podcast that. Yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't do too well in search, but it would be good, a good search firm name.
1: <laughs> Come up with like a like a logo, graphic logo. I like it.
0: Nice. Well, cool. All right, I will. Uh, um, I'll get this up, and uh, y'all hit us up with those iTunes reviews. Five stars is always good. Share us. Uh, you know, you want us to keep doing a show. Want us to do some advertising on the show as well. That could be, also be good. So we'll uh, we'll do all that. And I'll talk Twitter Twitter. questions too. Twitter. Yeah. Hey, we need some Twitter questions. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at Morgan Moriarty or at Bud Elliot three. Make sure there's two T's and Elliot had a guy today. Try to be an imposter and break news (laughs) under my handle. So I guess that's how you know you've made it. Uh, But uh, yeah, hit us up with some Twitter questions. That'd be good. We'll actually put out a call for those next week. Cool.